Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We hope each and every one of you are staying healthy and safe. This conversation is called Palm Sunday in 2020. The question for you all to get started with is, how are you feeling right now? Enjoy. We are good to go. Uh, Everybody, happy Palm Sunday. Uh, We love that we get to spend this time together. Uh, Just so you're aware, uh, next week is Easter. That's just how calendars work. We're going from uh, Palm Sunday to Easter. Uh, Next week, we're excited for you all to join us. Uh, But right now, everybody, I want to welcome live from the Staples Center, first name greatest, last name ever, Brittany Beans Barron. Also, uh, if you haven't noticed, I'm not at the gym. I'm coming to you live from our office at home because uh, just for a lot of reasons, I was a sick kid. I've had asthma since I was a baby and I've had pneumonia twice. Since those are two respiratory things, we kind of felt it best to take extra precaution and I'm literally not leaving my house. So as much as I would love to be in the gym right now with Corey and five other people who you can't see on film, instead I'm in my office. So as hard as it is to make jokes land in a giant gym with only five people, now I'm going to try to make jokes land standing by myself in my office looking at a camera. So I feel like this should be fun. All that to say, happy Palm Sunday, everyone. So today is Palm Sunday, if you did not know that. Sunday starts the beginning of Holy Week. This is the week leading up to Easter, which is next Sunday. Also, if you didn't know that, it's hard to keep track of days right now. No judgment. Uh, So Holy Week is a time where we pause and try to make space in our busy lives to reflect, (laughs) which shouldn't be hard this week because no one has anything to do. Okay, so I knew that I was going to preach on Palm Sunday for a while, that that was my Sunday on the schedule. And I was really excited about it because Palm Sunday is like Enneagram Sunday or Enneagram 7, like best day. Uh, Jesus comes into Jerusalem. People are waving palm branches. People are yelling Hosanna. It's like a fun Sunday, usually at church. Like you have kids all cute and they like come down the aisles and they're waving branches and we're doing all this cute stuff. So I was like, heck yeah, I want Palm Sunday. And then I was like, okay. Things are different, but let's talk about it. So we are going to be in Matthew 21. Just check it out right here. Just kidding. No screens. Going to read it from my phone. It goes like this. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and colt, placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them out on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So this is a exciting time. Jesus, this prophet that people have heard so much about, is coming into Jerusalem. People are yelling Hosanna. People are having a party. They're throwing stuff on the ground for him to walk. It's, it's amazing, right? 
And when I was thinking about this passage and reading it, I realized it kind of felt like what the beginning of 2020 felt like. I don't know about you, but I went into this year being like, this is my year, Hosanna, like things are happening. It felt like it was everyone's year, like people are writing books, people are buying houses, having babies, like it was just a party, right? And you're like, January, yes. February, yes. March, be careful. And then April, actually, you're not going to leave your house. And you're like, okay, what about May? And people are like, we don't even know. It's not even talking about May. So it took a real turn. And it kind of feels like this chapter or this book, this part in Matthew, right? This part of Jesus' story. Because it starts off like, yes, Hosanna in the highest, palm branches. We're laying out cloaks for you to walk on. Your donkey's feet don't even touch the ground. And then you keep reading, you're like dropping parables, you're like, okay, cool. And then it's like, hey, the temple was destroyed. And it's like, okay, like that's, all right, we'll bounce back. And then it's like, hey, Jesus got arrested. And you're like, okay, but still, you know, this could be our year, you know? And then you're like, okay, across, okay, cool. Uh, feels like it's going a little south. Okay, maybe this is not gonna be our year. And that feels a little bit like where we all are right now. There's been a massive shift in the story and we don't know what's gonna happen next. It's not what we expected. It's not what we wanted to happen. It's not what we planned for two months ago, but it is certainly where we are. We have the upper hand with this biblical narrative because we know where the story goes and that's what we get to talk about every Sunday is that that story and narrative, it doesn't end, it gets bigger. Um, but right now we don't know where our own stories might be going or what the end is going to be, we just know that they've taken this massive turn and we've experienced this massive, massive shift and massive change. And change, right, we say all the time is our only constant. We know it so well. And humans know change so well and we are comfortable with change up until a certain point. And I feel like that point that we get uncomfortable with change is the moment that it starts to cost us. So we have these natural rhythms built into our lives built into all of humanity, like babies. They roll around, then they crawl, then they walk, then they run, then they get a driver's license, whatever. And all along, everyone's like, yeah, it's good for you. You're evolving, you're growing, you're changing. Um, because it's just what we do. Until we get to a point where the changes around us and the changes we experience in our own life, in our own theology, in our own sexuality, in our own whatever it is, start to cost us and the people around us. And then it feels like instead of people clapping for us, everyone is just screaming, don't change, don't change, don't change. Which is what I feel like I've been screaming for the past three weeks about everything around me. I'm like, don't change, don't change. I was very, very comfortable with how 2020 started out and where it was going, and I need you to not change. I don't know if anyone can relate, but that is literally how I have felt. And so I find myself in this tension, trying to dig my heels into the sand as the ground is shifting beneath me, and finally resolving to a place of, okay, what would it look like if I let the ground shift me with it? What would it look like if I took this change with a little bit more open hands? If I adapted and, and evolved, what would that look like? What does that mean for my actual life? Corey, um, because I love him and he's one of my best friends and keeps rubbing off on me, um, talks endlessly about evolution. And what's fascinating is that everything about the idea, the theory of evolution is baked into what it means 
to be human and to the fabric of our universe. It says that it, the shift in environments, the introduction of new elements into your life, into a species, into something, should evoke adaptation and change. Meaning when things around you shift, you shift to meet them. And that's a beautiful sentiment, but what the heck does that mean when we were shouting Hosanna two months ago and now the temple has been destroyed, Jesus has been arrested, our jobs are changing, our companies are changing, some of y'all are at home with kids that used to go to school eight hours a day. I don't know how you do it, shout out to all the parents. And if you're a single parent watching this, just know that I bow to you. Okay, so what does this mean? Um, we talked a few weeks ago about how disruption and change were actually some of our greatest teachers. And we know that to be true because I've never personally been in a season of life where I'm like, I am getting everything I want, everything is going well, um, and I am growing a ton, right? It's usually when I'm stripped down to the bare bones and I don't know what's gonna happen and I look back on those times and I'm like, wow, that shaped me more than anything else in my entire life. But it was so, so scary. And right now it is so, so scary and we have a lot of things to be afraid of and they're not necessarily irrational things. I think back a lot to my season of being in the closet before I came out. And I remember writing lists of things that I was afraid of, things that I was afraid would happen, right? I was afraid that I might lose friends, I was afraid I would lose my job, I was afraid that people would think about me differently, I was afraid it'd be harder to defend my faith, which is a thing I cared about at the time that I don't anymore, but um, I was afraid that people would say mean things on the internet or treat my family differently or all of these things. And at the end of the day, I would be lying to you if I said that every single thing on that list didn't happen. Because it did. Every single thing that I was afraid of happened and here I am and so I know as we are sitting in the wake of a lot of change and loss a lot of the things that we are afraid of are literally happening we're afraid that people are getting sick we are afraid that jobs are being lost that gigs are being canceled that companies are being shifted that things are being furloughed that schools are being canceled that you name it and those things are happening and here we are and it's just worth noting at this point before we move on that every single person watching right now, myself included, has made it through the hardest thing that they have ever been through and that's just worth noting. So when we talk about being afraid of what's gonna happen next, when we talk about shouting Hosanna one moment into the series of apocalyptic things happening, um, it is scary and it's okay to be afraid. I don't know that we ever move into a point of our life where we're not afraid. And something my dad has told me since I was very young, that has always stuck with me that I wanna to talk to you about this morning, is this idea of courage. Um, this definition of courage that my dad gave us goes like this. He says, courage is not the absence of fear, it is simply not allowing fear to have the final say. So courage is not the absence of fear. It is simply not allowing fear to have the final say. You can be scared. I'm scared. It's okay. 
but it takes maturity and it takes understanding that the story is not over and that the story is getting bigger and that things will keep going. It takes that to have hope in the face of that fear, to have courage in spite of that fear, to say, yes, the fear is real and I'm not gonna let it have the final say. I will choose to hold on to hope that although I don't know what May is gonna look like or June or after the temple is destroyed or after the cross, even though I don't know what those things look like, I'm choosing to hold on to that hope that I believe that this is not the end of the story. And you don't have to have answers for what it's going to be like to have that hope. You just have to have that hope that this is not the end. Maya Angelou says it like this. She says, in the end, everything will be okay. So if it's not okay, it's not the end. Um, and I find great comfort in that. There's something about that not knowing that brings me comfort. There's something about reading these stories in scripture that we know the end to we know what happens on easter sunday we know all these things the people in this narrative did not right the people who we are gaining this wisdom from did not the story started one day you're shouting hosanna then you're watching the the thing that you thought was going to save you the person you thought was coming march to Calvary with a cross like on their back these are real this is what's happening to us right now we started the year being like let's go 2020 new decade who's this and now we're like okay okay so should i shave my head or just keep buying things online right um and we're scared and we don't know what to do and that's okay that doesn't have to be the final say you can hold on to hope in the face of fear in the face of not knowing what's going to happen one of my most impactful um, moments as a pastor happened my very first year. This was my first year being a pastor with that title, with that responsibility. And this is before a lot of my own theology had shifted. This is in a very different environment at this evangelical megachurch. And I was very young, like young as in experience and age. I was 26 years old and I get this job and I'm a pastor at this pretty diverse church as far as churches go. Um, and one of the ways that it was diverse was generationally. And that was kind of a hard gap for us to cross because in, a, in an evangelical setting like that, pastors are assumed to have and expected to have all of the answers. Like that's your job. You're a pastor, you hear directly from God, you tell people what God is saying. As I'm saying that now, it sounds crazy, but that was my job, right, at 26 knowing very few things about the world and the way it actually worked. And so that was kind of hard for the younger pastors, myself included, sometimes to be like, be expected to tell older generations how they should live, about the world. It was, it was wild. And so one day, this woman who um, was very involved in our church, um, she was in her 60s and she like volunteered, prayer ministry, set up, cutting donuts, hospitality, always around, always cheerful, always ready to help people. Like if there was a check mark for like things Christians should do right, this woman hit all of them. And then one day we find out that she's in the hospital because her cancer has returned for a third time. And so the church 
um, reaches out and is like, you know, we'd like to send someone to the hospital to, you know, pray with you, to be with you. And I find out that she has <laughs> requested me to go visit her in the hospital. So this is like, I'm six months in maybe to being a pastor. I'm 26 years old. I know nothing. And I'm expected to go and have all the answers for this woman who has seemingly done everything right and now is in this serious, terrifying situation. And so I just remember thinking like, I am not equipped for this. I don't know. And I like, kid you not, was in my apartment by myself Googling what to tell someone, what should a pastor say to someone in the hospital whose cancer is back a third time? Like, I am just reaching. I have no idea what to say. I know that I am supposed to walk into this room and I'm supposed to have some kind of answer and lead some kind of prayer and have something that I just did not have. And I didn't know where I was going to get it before like the next day. And so I go and now I'm in the parking lot of the hospital and I'm like, hyping myself up like I'm half hyping myself up and being like okay God just take over my body put the words in my mouth but also half of me is like I hope that like someone else is like hey I, I decided to come with you like I'm just I'm like how do I because yeah, it's the most nerve-wracking situation like I want this woman to to feel whatever she was hoping to get out of this pastoral visit as she's like in one of the hardest seasons of her life and so I finally must have the courage. I like go into her room. I have just my Bible. Like I don't even know what I'm going to do with it. And I walk in there and I'm just small talking her like <laughs> because I don't know what to say. And probably 10 minutes in, she stops me and she's like, do you want to know why I asked for you? And I was like, yes, dear God, please. Like maybe that will give me an insight into like what I'm supposed to say. And she said, Sometimes when I'm around you, you seem like you, you don't know what to say next. And I just find that comforting. I literally was like, I don't know if that's a burn or a compliment, but it took like the, the weight of like a million pounds off of my shoulders. And I just sat with this woman for the next few hours talking about whatever. What was she scared of? What did she hope for? What did she miss being in the hospital? What were her favorite things to do? We just spent time together and then I left and I felt kind of good about it. I still had this weird pressure that like, aren't you supposed to know the answers or were you supposed to give her more? But this is what she said she wanted. And as I've thought about that experience as my years as a pastor and a human have grown, it's one of the best gifts anyone ever gave me to say, the comforting thing about it is that you don't know, and that's okay. It's the weirdest thing right now to be on social media or anywhere, and everyone is telling you, here's how to deal with what's happening. Here's 10 things you need to do to stay positive during uh, coronavirus. Here's five things you need to um, be weary of. Here's the seven steps to blah, 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 blah. Everyone is saying that they know exactly what you need in this time. They do not. You get to not know. 
I get to stand here as a pastor at New Abbey and say, I have no idea. I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know the three-point sermon I can give you that's going to make you feel more comfortable in this change. What I do get to stand up here and say is that it's okay to be scared, but that fear does not have to have the final say. And that sitting in the unknown while uncomfortable can also be a, a place that you find the most hope. The stories that we get to read in scripture, and like we say all the time, take seriously, not literally, have boundless things to show us. And the story of Palm Sunday this year in 2020 I feel like it's just a perfect reminder for me that although we don't know what, where the story is going, although it takes turn after turn after turn for the worst as we go from Palm Sunday to Easter, or I guess until Good Friday, and you don't know what's going to happen, but that just the fact that there is more to the story brings a hope that only that mystery can bring. That it's not about having all the answers, that it's not about someone telling you the five steps to do this. It's about believing in that awe and that mystery and that what is going to come next is worthy of hope. It's worth having hope for. I can't tell you what it is, but I can tell you that we need it. I can tell you that it's coming. I can tell you that this is not the end. And that in and of itself fills my own heart with hope and I hope it feels yours with too. So it's okay to be scared. It's okay that a few months ago we were shouting Hosanna and now the temple has been destroyed and Jesus has been arrested and he's walking to Calvary. It's okay. It's okay to have hope in spite of everything happening. And not only is it okay, I'd say it's necessary. And on top of all of that, it's really, really okay to have hope, to share that hope with other people, to not let fear have the final say. It's okay to feel all of that within the reality that you do not have answers. The people you follow on Instagram do not have answers. I do not have answers. I don't know if that sounds discouraging you, to you, but that sounds immensely hopeful to me. That no one is passing out infinite truth right now, but we all get to sit in the unknown together and we get to reach for the maturity that says, I know that I can have hope in this moment because I know that the story will keep going. How it twists and turns, I don't know. Specifically for your life, I don't know. Can you have hope in the face of all of that? Absolutely. Are we still shouting Hosanna with palm branches? Maybe not today, and that's all right. I'm with you all. We are in this together. We don't know what this means, and we are figuring it out. And in the midst of that, I just want you to know it is okay, it is okay, it is okay to still hope. We need it. We need it bad. We need it collectively. You don't have to have answers to hope. You don't need to say, oh, Sunday morning, like, earth. like, you don't need all of that. All you need is the belief and the truth that the story is not over and that in that you find hope. Get back with your groups um, to the breakouts 
and answer this question, what is one area of your life that you are finding hope in today? Enjoy. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.